from Sacramento, the Bishop's Radio Hour with Bob Dunning on Relevant Radio, focusing on today's issues in the context of... That's me. Welcome to you on this beautiful day the Lord has made. Appreciate you all being with us on the Bishop's Hour. And as we move through this summer and uh, heading on towards the great month of September when all kinds of things happen in the Diocese of Sacramento. Indeed, this is the day the Lord has made. It's the month the Lord has made. It's the year the Lord has made. Uh, who knows, the decade and on and on. Uh, let us rejoice and be glad in it. And we're glad to welcome in Jennifer Campbell to tell us all about the month of September. Jennifer, good day to you. <laughs> Hi, how's it going? You, you've, got, you've got a couple of weeks to put your feet up and say, okay, i got to get ready for September. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, that's exactly correct. Um, September, it's, you know, we just hit the ground running, right? Like, there's no, no need to stop. But, um, yeah, we've got a lot of things happening in the month of September. Um, but the one, like, the one that we're talking about today, um, let's talk about On Fire today. So um, we're really excited that we're going we're to be back again at Six Flags. Um, and it, we only took one year off, but it felt like a lot more than that. Is this the first year back? It's the second. Second, it's the okay. Second. But we're always excited to be back there, like, it's a fun event, um, you know, and we just, we're trying to keep growing it. We, um, after taking that, that break off the first year, you know, the numbers were, were a little lower. Um, and last year, they, you know, the week before, we had, we had, we thought we were going to have, like, maybe a 1,000 people, and we ended up with, uh, like, over 2,000. So um, we saw a lot of tickets that last week, but it's, uh, it's always a, a good event. We just got to get those tickets go selling earlier. Do, do people have to sign up ahead of time? They do. They have to purchase tickets. They actually purchase them directly from Six Flags. We have a, um, a, a code that you use that gets you the on-fire tickets. You have to purchase your tickets in advance. Um, they they will sell tickets at the gate, but um, they're very limited in the number they can because the tickets are on fire includes a lunch, um, which other park tickets just to Six Flags would not include. If you've been to an amusement park, you know you're paying for every single thing. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, that, the, the pre-order tickets on fire does include that lunch. Okay, okay. Well, I'm telling you, uh, I'm not picking on Six Flags because it's everywhere. Food in amusement parks, baseball stadiums, football stadiums, theaters is just out of control in terms of price these days. And if you okay. get an all-you-can-eat lunch as part of the ticket of admission, that alone's worth the price of admission. It's, I mean, honestly, the, the lunch is, and it's a, it's a big lunch. Like, there's uh, definitely, you get the hamburgers. I think some of the kids' favorite part is that it's some kind of dessert, usually an ice cream sandwich. Wow. Um, so kids always like those. Um, you mean I could have two ice cream sandwiches? You definitely could. Do you have an definitely. age cut? Do you have an age cutoff for who can come? No, we do not. Okay, okay, because I'm just a little bit past the youth and young adult. You, a little, but that's okay. Okay, um, a few we months. We have to of course. Yeah. So. Yeah, so the, the food is included, but even more fun at that lunch than just hanging out with your friends eating a burger, of course, um, is we have our <laughs> vocation carnival going on at that same time. Um, so we have orders of um, sisters and, and different um, priest, or, priest orders, um, as well as our own vocation offices in our diocese and the other diocese involved in the event um, are there. They're going to play a carnival game with you and talk to you about their vocation. Um, and what it means. So kids have this opportunity to, to go around and meet, um, you know, priests and nuns and brothers um, who they wouldn't normally get to see, you see, know. that's, a, that's su such a great idea. It's so fun. Um, and it's just about, it's kind of like a, a low-key kind of chill way to, for a teen to, like, feel comfortable to go talk to a sister because, um, you know, you're just playing a carnival game with them. You're talking to them about their vocation, but you're also, like, can win some stickers or a prize of some kind. Um, they all have different little things they're giving away but, um, during that carnival as well. You know, the, the 
every time I hear that term, vocations carnival, I think of Father Memo dressed up like as a circus clown. You know, carnival. You know, it's like, <laughs> and they're not. But it's it is that that name alone is attractive. You know, vocations carnival, like like. We we want this to be a fun experience. We want this to be an interesting experience. We 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 want you to be attracted to, to coming to this and learning and, and seeing a priest or a nun or other religious out kind of out and about. Exactly. Uh, it's it's such a different environment. Yeah, totally. And also, the, most of the orders, um, the people that, that are there, you know, they're coming. For the lunch, obviously, to, to pass out stuff and um, to, to talk about their vocation. But you'll also see them, like, on a ride or two or going and checking out the dolphins or the penguins um, or right outside the vocation carnival where we have the picnic where we eat, that we eat at is the uh, uh, stingray exhibit. <gasps> I was just going to say, I was there about a month ago, and I went to the stingrays. Yeah, it's, it's right there. Oh my so goodness! And you there might was just a, see a sister or a priest petting a stingray or two. Yeah, I mean it was. It was so cool. If it was, you know, I'm always I'm real big on 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 God's what he the gifts he has given us in nature, and uh, it was I was with one of my daughters and a granddaughter, and oh my gosh, it was like I I think we could have just spent the day there watching these things swimming around. And fortunately, yes. there was a, you know, a kind of like almost like a park ranger or something mm-hmm. um, there explaining about, okay, this is where they're native to. No, they're not going to sting you. Or if they do, it's not a big deal. You know, but, so right. why do they call them stingrays and what do they do? It would just, and, the, and they're just the weirdest looking animal, you know. Yes, and completely. You go, those aren't real. This is like a Disney animated. <laughs> to, to look like a real pond with real fish in it because well, they are well, they're well, from well. outer space they're just fascinating they are no it's and so it's just interesting to be able to see you know see it's um something that we talk about at camp is like how funny it is when we see one of our camper shirts out in the wild so uh-huh, like yeah. we'll see a camper wearing their camp pandola shirt like you know at the grocery store or whatever um and it's just it, it feels out of you know it takes you out of the place for a minute. And I think sometimes that happens with our, for for teens, especially seeing our religious brothers, sisters, priests, um, in their, you know, their habits, um, and, but in the park, right? Like, hearing something that seems completely mundane, like, going on rides, and doing those things that, like, we do in everyday life, but we just don't think about, oh, yeah, like, sister, whoever, it does that stuff too, and and I think that's important for kids to see. So part of the reason we do that vocations carnival, yeah. I think it's fun. Yeah, that's just it's just a, I don't know who dreamed that up, but uh, they they deserve an award or something. You know, it's, <laughs> it's uh, you know I'm not sure exactly who at this point either. Um, my guess would be Deacon Kevin. But, yeah, um, yeah. Well, he, he kind of was the brains behind this whole event, which now has spread mm-hmm. to what nine dioceses, something like that. Yeah, so it's, it's always been a collaboration. That's always been the, the vision from the start. It's just a collaboration between the uh, nine NorCal dioceses, including um, the Diocese of Reno in, the, in northern Nevada. Um, and we do get we get teams from every diocese, um, at least at least a few. I mean, for some, like and for the, and especially the diocese of Fresno, there are. Um, but we still do get groups coming up from from that diocese as well as as Monterey and. San Jose and Oakland, um, Santa Rosa, Fresno, uh, Fresno, Stockton. Um, so we get them, we get people from everywhere um, help, helping to, to to spend that day with us, and which makes it um, just so much more fun to see kids from all over and to like really get a sense of how big our church is, yep. and yet how small it is. Because you'll be at something and you're like. You'll see someone like you after year, and it's like, or how how do I know you? Like, where did we meet? And um, they'll you know see them from different events they go to as youth ministries, and it's kind of it's another way to to reconnect with people. Yeah, and and you know it just reinforces uh, in, in kids' minds about the universality of the church. I. I 
sure. still remember, you know, my dad just telling us that every time we'd be in some little town on vacation or something, and he always knew where the churches were, even though uh, maybe he was pre-internet or something. Maybe he, <laughs> I mean, he, he always knew where the Catholic church was. And, and he'd say, you know, we're going to go to mass and it's going to be the same mass that we have at home in Davis. You know, it's going to be the same exactly. mass. And you're like, really? You know, not like it was because you, you don't know. You're a kid growing up and you go to church on Sunday morning. And, at the you know, I got it looked like a little brick church on the prairie, our, our, our church. And, <laughs> you know, and you, you have no idea. Exactly. Uh, and there weren't very many Catholics in our town. And you think, OK, I guess I guess this is just us. And, and, and then next thing you know, you go to a church in Idaho some little town in Idaho, and whoa, there, there's mass again, the same mass. Exactly. Yeah. No, exactly. And I think, and kids don't, kids don't always, you know, appreciate that at, um, because it's not something they're exposed to, maybe. Um, so it's kind of, it, that is also a great part of On Fire. Um, and we've got some great speakers and musicians coming this year that I'm really excited about. Um, our keynote speaker, Maggie Craig, um, is going to be great, and she she speaks all over the country. She's based in LA, so it'll be it's nice to have somebody you know, from California who's going to be speaking to the to the young people. Um, and then our band we've uh, we've pulled together. Um, there are musicians that aren't necessarily a band, but they do a lot of um, events together. Last year and last November, they were the NCYC um, house band, so the national. Convention of Catholic Youth that was in Long Beach. They were the house band for it, and so um, we invited them to join us at On Fire. So we're now calling them the On Fire House Band because um, <laughs> they don't have a band name. I keep telling them, you guys need to come up with a cool band name because you guys are really a band. Um, but it's uh, Ben Cortez, Thomas Muglia, um, Dana Catherine, and Carla, whose last name is escaping my brain right now. Um, she's from L.A., um, but they're they're all part of um, OCP the OCP family, and we're highly recommended by um, Steve Agrizano, who's a big um, friend of the event and our department. So it's nice. We've to, we've talked to him a number of times. Of course, yeah. yeah. And I don't know if you recognize, but um, both uh, the they're also kind of OCP legacy. Uh, both Thomas and um, Benjamin's um, fathers are um, OCP musicians as well. Hmm. Oregon Catholic Press. Oregon Catholic Press, yep. Um, so we've got them coming out, and then Joe Melendez will be back once again to uh, to liven up the whole event. So we've had him there. on a number of times too, and it's he, just, yes, I you know I you know I I I turn my mic off and I just sit here uh-huh. and I just listen. He's he's just great. Um, he's such um, has such a, a love for our event, a love for youth in our in our church. Um, and it's just great to have him really understand the like the flavor of our event and what we're going for, um, and really be a good partner in that. Um, he is um, right right now. Um, he's in Portugal with for World Youth Day. Um, uh-huh. He's he's been doing some some events there, so I'm really excited. I can't wait for him to get back to the states so we can talk to him about how World Youth Day went. But um, yeah, so hopefully he'll bring some of that that flavor to, to the event for us. But. You know, there are six flags all over the country. There are all, and not just six mm-hmm. flags. There's all kinds of amusement parks, all kinds of places. Uh, I, you, I'm wondering if you ought to take this show on the road, you know, <laughs> franchise yeah. it. it. It's like, I mean, I, I think it is, I mean, look, look at how many years. It, it, so many great ideas. They fizzle out after a couple of years for unknown reasons or maybe known reasons. You know, what seemed like a good idea in the in your office didn't turn out to be a good idea out in the real world. Yes, um, of course. And this one has a long life, and everybody, yeah, everybody, when you when you add up all the individuals over the years that have gone to this to on fire, it's a big number. It is. Um, there's a um, there's a one of the diocesan directors. He came to On Fire as like a participant. Wow. I think like you know when he was. I think he was a young adult, but um, but still as a participant, he came and then stayed with youth ministry 
and then now is somebody who helped us put the event on. Mm -hmm. Like it does have that 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 long life now at this point, um, which is such a great you know legacy um, for the event. Um, and it's just still there's new people coming into coming into the church and coming into these ministry, and so we're always trying to encourage and invite them to to come to the event and participate as well. well that you, never stops. It's, it's good. Six Flags maybe is, is just about the right size. I mean, no, nobody's going to close down Disneyland for a day or, you know. Um, right. But right. Six Flags is, is just maybe the right size that they can accommodate this group and not, you know, not worry that uh, they're going to go out of business because they, you know, they, they made special concessions. Um and sure. it's it's wonderful that they've been so supportive as well. And they they really have been so supportive. It's such a, it's a it is a collaboration with the park. Um, it's something that we um, have spent a lot of time, you know, forming that relationship and then mm -hmm. working with them to make sure that it works for both of us um, and that we have a good day um, at the park. I mean, it isn't closed to the public. There's you know, it is the public. You know, it's open to the public the rest of the day. There's just Parts of the park that are closed off just for us, which is, which is also nice. Um, so it also gives us that opportunity to um, to evangelize in a in a kind of passive way. Um, you know, having signs up that say "Confession Here." Right. If you're, you know, not somebody who maybe who goes to church but is like, "What? Like confession in a park?" Like, yeah, you don't you don't need a you don't no. need a ticket to confession. We don't charge for confession. It's free. You're not. It's right. free. It's free. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so we have we have those opportunities for you know some passive evangelization to to show sure. uh, in the park people who you know, have no idea what the event is. They just you know happen to bring their family there for the day. You know, I I, I know the the you know on uh, Ash Wednesday when when. Bishop Soto goes goes public, you know, goes to the steps of the state capitol and has been at federal buildings yeah. and city halls and that kind of stuff on Ash Wednesday, has been at Sac State. Uh, that I, I remember going to one at, at one of the federal buildings right downtown, very near the state capitol, but it was the it was to catch the after work crowd. The state capitol is usually seven thirty, eight, eight thirty in the morning. And this was like five o'clock, five thirty. And you could see the Capitol, and, and it was outside. You know, it was in like a little kind of courtyard that was but right on uh, uh, Capitol, Capitol Mall. And, and you'd see people walking down Capitol Mall that didn't intend to come to this, and they'd see the bishop, they'd see a crowd, and they'd go, what, what's going on? You know, they were in the back, what's <laughs> going on here? You know, Ash Wednesday, oh, my gosh, I almost forgot, you know. And people coming right. out of the building, uh, rushing to the parking lot and stopping and looking, and many of them coming and joining, you know. And that's a great way to evangelize, a great way to uh, remind people. And I, I could just see that. <laughs> you're, you're, uh, I can, looking at some of those rides, I, I can see <laughs> that you might want to go to confession before you got on one of those rides. I mean, I, yeah, some of those rides are a little scary. Um, not gonna lie, um, but you know, I think so. I think that is, I think that's part of it, right? Like it's, but it's it's that passive, you know, yeah. letting people see what we're doing, um, being showing our faith in every part of our life, right? Exactly, not just, exactly. Not just on Sunday, um, and so it does give us that opportunity, and and could be a good reminder, and um, yeah. So. But yes, some of those rides are a little scary. Um, I'm not a big roller coaster person. They're just so scary I, to look at. They are. I think once you're on them, I, I'm sure it's fine. But it takes the courage to get on the ride. Well, I, you're you're <laughs> fine because it's only going to last about two minutes. It's going to might be the longest two minutes of your life. But it's <laughs> going and uh, be sure uh, you don't drink a big orange Julius or something before you get on the ride. Yeah, no, that's not a great idea. Not I would a good not idea. Suggest that at all? <laughs> no, I mean, I've, I'm trying to remember. Um, it was a month or so ago. It was like a, a birthday present kind of thing, and mm -hmm. um, for the granddaughter, my daughter wanted to treat the granddaughter to Six Flags, and I agreed to drive them, and uh, <laughs> and did a lot of watching, and um, I don't. 
I don't think I rode any rides. I watched them. I supervised. You were the bag holder. I, well, I, yeah, I was the bag holder, and I gave up my seat on the ride so that others could ride. That was very kind of yes, you. Yes, yes. Uh, it was a very magnificent of me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then they would, st- they would stagger off these rides <laughs> and get in line for the next one. Exactly. That is exactly how it goes. Yeah. You you can't stop because if you stop, you recognize that it's scary. But did, if you did the Almighty going. envision this when he? Uh, I when you I couldn't was that, that on the seventh day? Which the no, sixth day? When did he? When, <laughs> <laughs> when did he envision? Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Um, oh man, how did how did they how did they live for eons, centuries? Without amusement parks. <laughs> yes. I don't know. That's a very good question. I'll have to ponder that for the next time we talk. Yeah. So how, how can uh, how can people sign up? So people can purchase their tickets by going to our website, which is onfirenorcal.com. And um, that's where you can get all the information about the speakers. You can um, get the schedule of the day. Um, and also the link to purchase your tickets um, is all there. And it starts like uh, mid-morning, something like that? We start at 9 a.m. 9 a.m., um, okay. With Mass. And I forgot to tell you, who the, did I, have I told you yet who the, the, the celebrating bishop is going to be? I don't believe so. The main celebrant is going to be somebody you know. Oh, wow. Uh, bishop Cotta. Oh, wow. From yeah. the, the Diocese of Stockton, formerly the, the auxiliary here in the Diocese of Sacramento. Yeah, we're all very excited that he agreed to. It's his turn. Um, he agreed to be there, um, and he's going to be this, the main celebrant. Of course, Bishop Soto will also be there. Bishop Soto um, doesn't miss it, does he? I think he, honestly, I think he's only missed one. Yeah, yeah. And I think there, it was, and he sent, it was in Bishop Cotta with our auxiliary. I think that was the only one he's ever missed. But yeah, he's been there every year. Wow. That's great. That's great. Well, we wish Bishop Cotta and all those great people in the Diocese of Stockton well as well. And uh, and we should point out it that there aren't buses, at least in the Diocese of Sacramento. Other other dioceses may may do that, may not. Uh, probably depending on the distance. You get you get to Six Flags by yourself. It's in in Vallejo, right off of Interstate eighty. Uh, yeah. Real real easy, on and off there. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And parishes generally come to get will come as big groups, um, and some parishes will organize buses, um, some won't. Um, I know the diocese of Reno always brings three or four buses mm-hmm. of people, um, but yeah, each so each parish kind of decides what's the easiest way to get their their teams there. Yeah, and you know, and there's a lot of uh, accommodations in the in the area too. If you're coming from from some distance, if you're coming from up in the North State or uh, you know, up up the Tahoe area, and you you want to get there in time for mass, and you don't want to have to leave at four or five in the morning. Um, there are a lot of accommodations in the Vallejo area specifically, but also on the way. You know, Fairfield and uh, um, that area too. There's a lot. There's a lot of accommodations if you want to come on a, a Friday night uh, prior to the uh, prior to the event. Yes, exactly. Yeah, totally. There's tons of places that you can stay. How wonderful! Well, Jennifer, um, you've got your, your uh, work cut out for you. Next time, maybe we'll talk about uh, ministry days. Yes, yes, definitely. Next time, we can talk about ministry. So, days. Six that Flags again. It is the sixteenth of September, correct? Sixteenth of September, from nine a.m. to nine p.m. Wonderful. And you can get all the information at onfirenorcal.com. At Six Flags in Vallejo. Thanks so much, Jennifer. God bless uh, you and your work, and uh, we'll look forward to talking again soon. Thank you. Hey, Have thanks. a great day. Hey, thanks so much. That's uh, Jennifer Campbell, who she just spent the summer up at uh, Camp Pandola directing the camp up there. Just uh, Gabe, we never know quite which hat Jennifer's going to be wearing when she's on the program, but she's transitioning into that as well and does such uh, such great work here in the Diocese of Sacramento. We'll take a quick break. Back with more on the Bishop's Hour right after this. 
This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the St. Vincent de Paul Society. Drop by and shop at their thrift store, a beautiful, beautiful thrift store at 2275 Watt Avenue. Open Mondays through Saturdays from 10 to 8 and Sundays from 11 to 6. They also accept donations at the store, donations of furniture, appliances, clothing, books, everyday household items. Your donations help to fund the many projects of the St. Vincent de Paul Society throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. Do such wonderful, wonderful work, and the thrift store is uh, one of the the ways they uh, raise the funds to help people throughout the diocese, and also uh, many of their clients are able to access the uh, thrift store for uh, items that they need. You can uh, give them a call. They will come pick it up as well, but you can uh, give them a call. They're at 916-972-1212. And remember, again, the thrift store is open uh, seven days a week at 2275 Watt Avenue right here in Sacramento. Well, Bishop Soto refers to Christ the King Retreat Center as the jewel of the diocese, and indeed it is. What a beautiful oasis it is. It's located in Citrus Heights, uh, right in the hustle and bustle of the city, and you feel like you're getting away from it all when you uh, turn off the main road and just uh, uh, come into Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center. Christ the King has served Northern California and the Diocese of Sacramento for over 60 years through parish weekend retreats, individual spiritual direction, and a variety of other programs. For information on all the programs that they offer, including residential programs, give them a call. They're at 916-725-4720, or you can visit them at 6520 Van Maren Lane in Citrus Heights. And we certainly thank uh, the St. Vincent de Paul Society and Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center for their fine and long-standing support of the Bishop's Hour. We'd like to thank all the wonderful people and organizations, uh, businesses in town uh, and throughout the Diocese of Sacramento who have provided underwriting for the Bishop's Hour. Uh, some in the last few years, some uh, have been with us for a very long time. If you would like to be an underwriter for the Bishop's Radio Hour, uh, it's a wonderful opportunity to, to support this mission and also to support the diocese and also uh, to get some uh, recognition for uh, your organization or for your business. The easiest way to do this is to uh, give us a shout, send us an email, radio at scd.org, and we can give you all the details about uh, helping to underwrite the Bishop's Radio Hour. Again, that's radio at scd.org. Hi, this is Katie Parada, Executive Director of Catholic Schools for the Diocese of Sacramento, and you are listening to the Bishop's Hour with Bob Dunning. Thanks, Katie, for that wonderful introduction, and uh, our great Catholic schools are opening, uh, most of them, on the uh, 15th of August, uh, the Feast of the Assumption, a great day to open with uh, Mass on a Holy Day of Obligation, or as I like to say, a, a Holy Day of Opportunity as well. And uh, if, if you're interested in our Catholic schools, uh, you can contact the Catholic Schools Department or contact your local uh, school, whether it's an elementary school or one of the great high schools we have here in, in Sacramento, a number of uh, so many different schools and uh, just uh, go to scd.org if you want to get the information on the uh, Catholic Schools Department. Well, we are just pleased and honored to welcome in Deacon Casey Walker. Uh, Deacon, good day to you. So how you doing? Thank you very much. Hey, thank you for joining us. Uh, Deacon joins us by phone. Uh, you have just returned from the Na National Black Catholic Congress uh, in the great state of Maryland. Yes, that is that is correct. Hosted by the uh, Archdiocese of Washington D.C. and uh, Wilton Cardinal Gregory. There. Oh, very good. So, uh, yeah, it was uh, pretty amazing. You know, years ago, I, I believe when he was, I believe he was, he was in Illinois at that time. I got to uh, interview Bishop Gregory, and ah. uh, and then he went on to Atlanta, and now is uh, uh, in Washington D.C. Yeah. Pretty wonderful, yeah. pretty wonderful. Mm -hmm. And this Congress meets uh, just every five years, is that correct? It, um, from what I understand, this is the first time I've been. Um, they try to meet every four years, but COVID threw them off for a year, okay. which is okay. why it was the last time. I think actually Bishop Soto went to the last one that they had mm -hmm. um, in Orlando. 
I, you know, I seem to remember that. Yeah. 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 And ex- ex- explain uh, sort of the, the, the mission, if you will, of the National Black Catholic Congress. Um, the mission. Uh, you know, the, the group itself was started, um, oh boy, in the 1800s uh-huh. by um, Rudd, Daniel Rudd, mm-hmm. I, I believe. Um, and they would, you know, they would meet regularly. I think it was at the time they would meet yearly just to kind of talk about um, or to share um, what was happening with the blacks in, in the uh, in in the Catholic Church, um, such a a small minority of uh, of the makeup of the church here in the here in the United States. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But then, you know, over the years, again, as I understand it, over the years uh, they decided not to meet yearly and then they didn't meet for a while and then a few years back they started meeting every every four years mm-hmm. um, and it's been going on for for quite some for quite some time but it's just been really a time for me to uh celebrate just the spirituality of uh of black catholics um here in the united states why so, uh, is pretty... go, go ahead no i was just gonna say there was uh from what they were saying there, there was this was the largest attendance that they can remember having, um, with over three thousand laity and clergy and, and religious. Wow! So that was pretty impressive. Can you, for for what were you, you mentioned? You know the low numbers of Black Catholics uh, compared to other denominations in the United States. Uh, what are the historic reasons for that? Uh. Another good good question. I, I don't. <laughs> I probably don't have a definitive answer mm-hmm. from. Um, but I can share um, through the conversations that we have had here within our diocese um, years ago when the bishop started the ad hoc committee against racism, and now with our intercultural committee on access, integration, and missions. Mm-hmm. Uh, just kind of chatting with people, having these listening sessions. One of the main themes is um, being seen, being understood, being recognized, um, just in in the culture. Um, There was a time that there was a very large population of black Catholics in the diocese. I just think, you know, as times change and those folks get older, um, you know, some of them them pass on, some of them move. um, And then the culture has, has definitely definitely changed, uh, I think pretty drastically probably in the last five to ten years. I wow. think you would probably you would agree yep. with that. Yep. Um, and again, I, I, I think uh, how people feel, maybe feel is the wrong word, um, how people view each other, how people view themselves in, in light of their surroundings, in light of their church, in light of the people sitting in their pew, I think it means something different than it did than it did before mm-hmm. you know um, one of the big things that we have seen uh, with the gospel masses that we've started here in the diocese uh, we do one here at St. Basil's and have been for the last um, four or five years and that's in Vallejo um, that's in Vallejo yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, once a month uh, and one of the biggest things we try to do is we try to bring in the um, the spirituals, the black spirituals. Right. Um, and that was something completely different than what the parishioners at St. Basil's were used to. Uh, sure. 100% totally Catholic, but um, a completely different feel. Right. You know, the different way of, of worshiping. Um, even all the responses, uh, the responsorial psalms, everything was different. Uh, and the folks have really taken a love and a liking to it. Um, you know, so uh, and we have we have that uh, here here in Sacramento as well at at St. Rose. Yeah, St. St. Rose was doing one. I don't know if they are if they still are. Um, the Good Shepherd in in Elk Grove. Mm-hmm. Um, they also they also had one. Um, and Father Bart Landry, who who has moved on to the Diocese of San Diego. Okay, um, he was the presider at. Right. Most of them, 
But, uh, you know, he just brought a different charism uh, along with him, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Really we've important. interviewed Father Bard on a number of occasions. And, uh, oh, okay. Yeah, so just a yeah. very interesting background and uh, uh, just very interesting how he ended up here in the Diocese of Sacramento. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, worked well with, uh, with Father Bard. He will be definitely be missed. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was San Diego's gain is our loss. Yeah. 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 But he still promised to come back every now and then. Okay, well, we'll, we'll, we'll get him on the phone at least. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So, but, um, what did you, what did you learn at the at the National Black Catholic Congress, or what or what you know? Give, give us a, an overview and an impression. Oh boy, um, overview and impression. Uh, I think my overview was just seeing the wonderful work that's being done in all the Catholic parishes and dioceses with regard to um, racial justice. Uh-huh. And, 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 and I'm going to kind of feel a little bit or borrow a little bit from uh, one of the speakers, Gloria Purvis, was talking about um, how to be pro-life has to also include racial justice. Absolutely. You know? and, and, Absolutely. And, and the work that the church is doing, um, and not just the black community, not just the African-American community, but the entire uh, Catholic Church yep. here, in the United, here in the United States, um, but also all the work that still needs to be, still needs to be done. Um, yeah, this is, it's um, such a good point, Deacon, because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm always, uh, you know, obviously we hear pro-life and we think, you know, uh, about abortion and that issue, and, and uh, rightly so. But pro-life includes people in hospice. It includes people at the end of life. It includes people who are 20, who are 30, who are 40, people who are oppressed, people who are rich. It includes everybody. Every life yeah. is valuable and every life is we're all made in the image and likeness of God, and uh, I don't know how you can be pro-life and be something else uh, when it comes to certain groups. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And I, you know, we, we say that we are a pro-life community. We know that we are a pro-life church. We are a pro-life faith. But um, we struggle sometimes on putting that in, in action mm-hmm. um, or facing it. You know, um, my fear is, or my observation is that's when things start to become a little bit politicized, which yep. is very easy to do, but we, we have to kind of, we have to kind of fight against it. You know, we say we're pro-life, but um, let's close the, let's close the borders, right? Yeah. And that's, those are conversations that are worth having, that, that need, that need to happen to some extent, right? But um, how much are we recognizing our, our neighbor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you're right about politicized. I mean, you can't order a flavor of ice cream without somebody saying, "Oh, you're you must be a somebody." You know, you're like, "Wow." Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, um, the the art of dialogue and conversation uh, is being lost. It really is. I guess it's still an art. It's just, I, some, unfortunately, I think we're less and less willing to. Um, engage in it. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, we, we, we had hoped that uh, stereotyping had gone out the window uh, <laughs> years ago, and it seems now it's more prevalent than ever. Like, somebody went to a certain movie, it means they're this. Somebody yeah. drinks a certain beverage, it means they're this. Somebody, you know, it's like, holy cow, what, which fast food restaurant you patronize means you're this. And no, I just, I just like their French fries. You know, it's like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, yeah, I 100% agree with you there. Um, you know, and those conversations are, you know, why we do certain things or how we feel a certain way. Those are conversations that we need to have, but like I said, you know, we're, we're reluctant to have. Um, but that is one of the things that we've been working on. And again, this was from my trip back to the East Coast 
um, you know, this kind of the spirit just kind of kept pounding me in the head. You know, this is the work that you guys need to be doing on the intercultural committee. Um, getting those conversations out there, starting to talk to people, or actually really train people on how to be in those conversations. You know, how to sit in that uneasiness, how to sit, you know, in those spots where you just don't feel comfortable. You know, I don't want to talk about race, right? But I have to. Right. right? Um, those are the things. One of the things I should mention, since you asked, if, as um, as you were you were speaking, it reminded me of the theme. And uh, I'm just reading it off a piece of paper that I have here mm -hmm. on this messy desk of mine. Um, the theme of the conference is called Write the, Write the Vision, A Prophetic Call to Thrive. And it's actually based on scripture from um, Habakkuk, which is not a, uh, a book that we read mm -hmm. very, very often. Um, and I actually had to go go and, uh, and do a little bit of research myself. But, um, you know, the prophet Habakkuk is... You know, he is upset. He wants to know, kind of like, why are all these injustices happening in the world, God? You know, and what are you going to do about it, right? Exactly. So I thought that was a very interesting, uh, interesting theme for, for the uh, for, for the Congress. Yeah, I mean, we we hear that. All, it's one, probably one of the most frequently asked questions, whether publicly or just to yourself, when some something horrible happens, and people say. How could God let this happen? Yeah. <laughs> like it's God's fault. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we forget that's that's the times we forget about, you know, free will. We forget about God's time. Yep. You know, one day is like a thousand years and a thousand yep. years is like one day. Yep. Um and you know, he goes on again in the scripture. Um, not that I'm a scripture scholar or anything, but he goes on to tell Habakkuk that um I'm taking care of everything. You know, you have to be patient. You have to have faith, and um, and kind of, you know, in my own words, I'll write the ship. Yeah. But those injustices that are happening in this world will be taken will be taken care of, right? Mm -hmm. You just do mm -hmm. what you need. Yeah, I'll write the ship. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. It was very, very, very interesting. Um, you, we went to. One of the evenings, the first evening there, Friday night, um, we actually had mass in the uh, in the basilica. Oh wow! Um, yeah, the the uh, basilica on the national um, national shrine, the immaculate yeah, of the immaculate conception. Yeah, yeah. And um, first time I ever went to mass uh, there, um, probably goes without saying, but. Uh, Bob, there was twenty. There was twenty-three bishops. Oh wow! Yeah, twenty-three bishops, and, and you know, and Cardinal Gregory was uh, was was there. Um, I, I would say probably easily, you know, fifty or more priests, fifty or more deacons. That basilica was it, it was packed. Um, very very powerful. Very powerful, and and. Um, People of all color, races, mm -hmm. cultures. Mm -hmm. That was kind of a, a beautiful thing, you know. Even though it was "quote unquote" the, the Black Congress, Black um, Conference Congress, it was, uh, you know, all nationalities, all cultures. Were, Which is uh, as it should celebrate. as it should be for sure. As it should be exactly, exactly. Yeah. You know, I'm, I remember once. To, just just talking to friends and you know they, they they know I'm on Catholic radio and they say so well you know I, I don't understand your church or whatever you know and and uh, it's just a bunch of old white men isn't it and <laughs> I said I said would you please come to mass with me any anywhere in the diocese of Sacramento not just my home parish but any Catholic Church in the Diocese of Sacramento, and you will have to uh, to uh, take back that statement. Mm -hmm. the, uh, <laughs> I'm white and, and 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 getting there in age, but uh, I'm about the only one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, but it, it is it is an interesting perspective. I think maybe in previous conversations I shared with you that was kind of my perspective mm -hmm. before coming into the church. Sure. Yeah, you know, I, I was, you know. 
you were black, you were Baptist, or you were from right. the AME church. Exactly. You know, and the white folks went to a, went to Catholic right. church. And um, but it, like you said, and, until you actually get into the church and and see that it's not, it is not the case. Um, no, not at all. But, you know, we're, yeah, we're all also at that point too, where we. In our liturgy and how we celebrate, we all we still have to recognize that, which I think is one of the beautiful things of things like this and, and the gospel masses, or you know the masses that you go to that you know or Gregorian chant or mm-hmm. you know the silent masses, so to speak. I'm sure they're not called that, but um, you know with just the masses where there's maybe just organ and, mm-hmm. and those things. They all just come from a different perspective, maybe not culturally. Um, that we would look at, uh, but maybe his, historically, they were um, uh, they were kind of cultural. If that makes if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I, the one question I have, and, and we obviously all all bishops are of equal importance to the people in their in their diocese. But when 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 the press talks about the Catholic Church, they they focus on New York and D.C. You know that oh who's Who's the, who are the bishops there? And what's it mean in, in one of those two places to have an African-American as the bishop and obviously the, the honor of being a cardinal as well? What, what has that meant? Um, you know, I, I think there's a lot to, to say about uh, representation. Mm-hmm. You know that kind of feeling of belonging, so so to speak. Um, you know, in Washington D.C., just because of the makeup of the area itself, um, uh, having such a large black population right. Right. there in Washington D.C., and having a very large um, black Catholic population in Washington mm-hmm. D.C., the same as I'm not not too sure about New York, but you know, you put, if you put the Archdiocese of Philadelphia, right, right, there, um, there is, uh, I think there's just a lot of pride, just a lot of feeling like you belong, like you're not mm-hmm. um, the only one, right. Not to say that you're mistreated or anything like that, but you're seen, right, and and that makes a big difference. We can think that we are welcoming people. Uh, but if the person doesn't feel welcoming, welcomed, then how good of a job are we doing on whether we whether we're welcoming them or not? Right? Yeah, because it's we it's, say, well, it's how they're perceiving it. Yeah, yeah, and and I think we forget that at a lot of times. Yeah, you know? but I'm not saying you know everything is perfect there in Washington D.C. or you know Atlanta is another one. Um, Philadelphia, uh, I'm sure there's you know. As human beings, we, we we're we're not perfect, so yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they're having issues issues there. But uh, but you know, same with us here in this diocese with the Black Catholic ministry and, and trying to grow it from um, the parish level up, where it's not something that's top heavy down, right? Right, right. The community in each, each parish um, is doing their own thing to uh, to feed the people, right. feed the folks there, you know. And the beautiful thing is we're traveling all over the diocese, you know, to be fed a, a certain way. You know, and, I, and I personally love that. You know, I love the invites to go and, you know, participate in, in liturgy in, in Sacramento or, you know, other parts here in, in Delano County. And, and uh, it's definitely a part of the joy of, of my ministry, for sure. We're t- talking with Deacon Casey Walker. I just returned from the National Black Catholic Congress in uh, National Harbor, Maryland. Did they ever decide, is Maryland named after the Blessed Mother? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it, if you talk to a Catholic, then the, then the answer is definitely yes. Yes, right. Uh, that's all we need to know. It, it sounds like yeah. a little bit like an amuse, a Catholic amusement park, Maryland. And, you know, National Harbor is a beautiful, beautiful little lo- location. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't even know it existed, but uh, it's only a few blocks, actually. It's strange. But, uh, but yeah, it was, like I said, it was it was a great, great experience. But I can't wait to find out 
where the next one is going to be and, and see kind of how they uh, uh, continue to do what Washington, D.C. Um, did in inviting all the, all the Catholics and, and just making them a warm and welcoming place. Um, sure. Even part of the, the Congress, Bob, we, uh, they invited everyone to get together to make um, um, kind of like, uh, I don't want to call them gift baskets, Mm-hmm. But um, supply right. baskets, supply mm-hmm. boxes mm-hmm. Uh, that they were sending to Haiti. Uh, oh wow! And, and I believe I believe there was uh, seventy five hundred boxes that were made. They just kind of invited the folks, just hey, you know, just come and recognize and help your brothers and sisters, you know, down in Haiti. So, um, so that was that was pretty cool. Well, it's 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 just so hard to imagine in the 21st century that people are living as they do in a, in a country like Haiti, which is not far from here. I mean, when you really yeah. think about it. Yeah. No, you, you are right. And, and, uh, and just think about this. On the same island, on the same patch of land, is the Dominican Republic. The same, right? You're exactly right. The same patch of land. The impact of land, and that that is a tourist destination like like yeah. no other. Exactly. How do you explain you know I mean? it? You know, how do you explain yeah. it? Yeah. Um, bishop. Oh my goodness. He was recently named the Bishop of Charleston. Um, oh, I know bishop. who you're talking about. And yeah, he um, he was the homilist at our Saturday liturgy, and and he talked about you know the. Uh, his home country of, of Haiti and the people there and, you know, uh, just the power of faith and just um, the work that the rest of the world needs to do to, uh, to, help, that, to help that country, you know, um, kind of circling back maybe a little bit into um, Eucharistic revival, right? You know, um, recognizing the true presence of Jesus definitely in the Eucharist, but to me, just as importantly, but once you partake of that Eucharist, now you become, you know, that, that body, right? And uh, recognizing that person in that pew next to you or in that town next to you or in that country, you know, next to you is also part of that body of, of Christ. And what are you going to do uh, you know, to help that person, right, to be part of the body, to do your little job? Yes, absolutely. So, Deacon, you are a convert? Yes, sir, yeah. What brought you into the church? <laughs> um, well, you know, I started going to church just to the Catholic church to keep peace in, in my household. You know, my, <laughs> my wife is, is born and raised Catholic, and, and her and our oldest child, they were going the church, and then, you know, of course, the, the statement comes around to, you know, why isn't Dad going to church? And, um, and, and I, you know, I was born in a Baptist household. My father was an elder, but as a uh, young man heading off to college, I decided I didn't need that stuff anymore. Um, I can do what I wanted to do. You know, I'm, I'm kind of grown. And, uh, you know, fast forward until I, I get married, and, and uh, just to keep the peace, to, you know, try to show my my uh, my oldest that uh, you know dad cared about church. Um, you know, I'll, I'll go to church. Quite frankly, reluctantly, but um, but I went. And uh, and as I'm kind of sitting there, you know, going through the book because um, you know I'm 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 a scientist by heart and and by trade, uh, trying to figure out everything that was going going on and. Um, I heard a parishioner at St. Basil's, this is a 100% true story, I heard a parishioner at, at St. Basil's sing a version of uh, one of the responsorial hymns called Taste and See. Mm-hmm. And uh, that gentleman's African-American, he has he, he passed, he has since passed away. Um, but he, he sang it with, that, that kind of just reminded me of the church I grew up in. And uh, it just gave me reason to kind of sit and pause and, and just start to kind of contemplate what was going on. But at the same time, I started to have a, um, a thirst 
for the Eucharist, and I had no idea why. Wow. And so therefore, now I needed to know why I cannot partake of this. So, um, you know, fast forward a few more years, I go to RCI, go through the RCIA program, and at that time it was two years, and uh, threatened to quit multiple times because, you know, I was, quote-unquote, ready. And, um, and then finally, you know, when it came into the church, I think it was uh, 2003, and again, it was kind of, you know, obviously my, my wife had a lot to do with it, praying for me and mm-hmm. and, uh, and and then going to the church, you know, as, as a family. But then uh, the Eucharist, you know, was, wow. was truly it. So. God, God put that in your heart. Oh, oh for sure. Deacon, it is such a joy to talk with you. We're obviously against the clock, uh, but uh, yeah. uh, before you go, uh, Reverend Jacques Fabre-Jeune, uh, ah, Charleston, so. just appointed. Yeah, yeah the 14th. Uh, what a lovely city Charleston is. And yeah, like, oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've had a luxury of uh, um, visiting there in, uh, in March. Yeah, beautiful, so, um, beautiful, beautiful city. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I'm sure he's a very good man and uh, uh, will lead many Catholics in, in the Diocese of of Charleston in South Carolina. Deacon, uh, thanks so much for taking the time to be with us today, and uh, welcome back to California. And uh, Thank you. I hope our paths cross again, uh, maybe at St. Basil's. Oh, for sure, for sure. Thank you very much for inviting me on. Thanks so much. It's yeah. a uh, pleasure to speak with you. Oh, well, anytime. We, 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 we love talking to you, too. So God bless you and your ministry, and we'll look forward to our paths crossing again soon. Sounds great. Thank you very much. Thank you much, uh, Deacon. That's Deacon uh, Casey Walker, and uh, what, a, what a good man he is here in the Diocese of Sacramento. That's going to do it for us for today. Thanks for listening. God bless everyone. This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the Mercy Foundation, enriching lives in the Sacramento region through Sisters of Mercy Ministries in healthcare, education, housing, and the care for the poor and elderly. For the Mercy Foundation, philanthropy is one of the most powerful expressions of compassion and love. Just as many people in our community need a hand, countless others are reaching out to them with comfort and hope. You can express your care and concern for the less fortunate with a gift to the Mercy Foundation. Uh, You can give them a call, 916-851-2700. That's 916-851-2700. And you can be confident that fully 100% of your contribution will support the Sisters of of Mercy Ministry or ministries that you choose. And what a wonderful treasure Easter's Catholic Books and Gifts has been for all of us here in the diocese as they uh, uh, transition uh, into uh, uh, new ownership and management. Uh, They continue to offer wonderful workshops, wonderful uh, uh, resources for the Catholic community throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. Not only does Easter's provide a wide array of Catholic books, both current releases and longtime classics, but they also sponsor a number of valuable workshops and lectures throughout the year. They're, They're located at 6916 Sunrise Boulevard in Citrus Heights. Give them a call, 916-338-7272. We also receive a generous underwriting support by Crumley & Associates, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services. If you have questions about retirement, Crumley & Associates can help you with their confident retirement approach that can help define a clear roadmap to get you where you want to go. You can uh, contact them, get all the details at Crumley & Associates, 7956 California Avenue in Fair Oaks. They're at 916-638-4600. That's 916-638-4600. And we uh, are, are certainly uh, appreciative of the uh, fine and uh, longstanding support of the Mercy Foundation, of Easter's Catholic Books and Gifts, and of Crumley and Associates. Empty hands held high Such small sacrifice If not joined with my life Sing in vain tonight
May the world